You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 46. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, we're going to go into depth on depth of field before I answer a listener question about how to get an image of the moon with a foreground in focus. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hello, my friends, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Before we dive into our Tidbit Tuesday today, I have two quick announcements to share that I think will be of interest to you. First, as I briefly mentioned in the last episode, I'll be an instructor at the Out of Chicago Live Online Global Photography Conference from March 11th to the 13th. And I've attended this conference for the last couple of years, and I can say hands down that it is one of the best online photography education opportunities you can invest in. And it's a real honor to now be able to contribute as an instructor. Over the course of the weekend, you'll get access to over 60 incredible photographers, many of whom I consider to be my own photography heroes and have been guests on the show. And... And every seminar is recorded and available for viewing for a whole year after the event. Now, that's amazing. I will be sharing my approach to composition and creating personally expressive images. I also will be giving a team presentation on photographing waterfalls and streams, along with Taylor Stone, who's going to be on the show next week, and Chrissy Dunnady, who you may remember from episode 35. And more on Chrissy in a moment. Between now and the conference weekend, many of the instructors are holding pre-conference photo challenges that are free and open to everybody. So go to outofchicago.com to find out more about both the live conference and these challenges, and I really hope to see you there. All right, and for our second announcement, you may recall from my conversation with Chrissy Donady in episode 35 that she was in the process of creating a comprehensive online course called Let's Get Organized in Lightroom, and it's now available. So if getting your library of images into a functional organization system that grows with you sounds intimidating or like you don't even know where to begin, then this course will help you out a ton. And here's what you'll get. You'll get 40 comprehensive and easy to follow videos, everything you need to know about managing your photos in Lightroom in four hours, And the first four modules will help you set up and optimize Lightroom's performance. And the remaining six walk through the best methods to effectively and efficiently import, keyword, and categorize your images, which will work whether you are just starting out or you're undergoing a whole reorganization process. And I had early access to Chrissy's course. And even though I feel, you know, fairly competent in how I organize my images, I learned a lot about how I could be doing it better. And Chrissy really breaks it down with easy to follow instructions and examples. She is kindly offering you as a listener of this podcast, 20% off the course with the code OPS20 between now and March 15th. So to get access to the Let's Get Organized course, just go to chrissydonady.com 
And I'll put a direct link to the course in the show notes along with the coupon code OPS20 so that it's easy for you to find. As you know, I enjoy hearing from you. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, just head to outdoorphotographypodcast.com and click the button to record your question. This week's listener question on photographing the moon requires us to first understand a very important concept in photography which is depth of field. And mastering this is essential to the craft of photography, regardless of whether you want to photograph the moon. So that's where we're going to start today. The depth of field is the area between two points in a scene where everything within that area is considered to be in focus. It's called depth of field in photography lingo, but you can just think of it as the area of what's in focus. And by in focus, we mean what's acceptably sharp, not tack sharp, mind you. There is only one point in the entire scene that can be actually tack sharp, which is the focal point, and everything else within the depth of field is what's called acceptably sharp. Another way to think about the phrase acceptably sharp is that everything within the depth of field is equally sharp and equally unsharp, so that no one area of the image is winning in the sharpness contest. And we perceive this equilibrium as everything within the depth of field as being in focus. There are two aspects of the depth of field that are important to keep in mind, and they are the size of the depth of field and where it is in the scene that you are photographing. Both the size of the depth of field and where it lies determines what will be in focus in your photo. Now, there are several factors that determine the size of the depth of field, that is, whether it's a shallow or deep depth of field, including the aperture, the focal length, your camera's sensor size, and the distance between the camera and what you want in focus. But it's the focal point that determines where that depth of field will be in a scene. Any kind of field, whether that's a grassy field, a field of view, or the depth of field, A field is just an area with boundaries that define it. It has a beginning and an end. The beginning of the depth of field is called the near limit, meaning it's the nearest point of the area that will be acceptably sharp. And the end of the depth of field is called the far limit, meaning that it's the point at which things are no longer acceptably sharp. And if you're like me and have become more farsighted with age and need to hold things at an arm's length in order to read them, then you already understand the concept of the near limit. Everything closer than your arm's length is out of focus, but everything after that is acceptably sharp. Your hand held at arm's length is effectively the near limit of your vision's depth of field in this analogy. And the depth of field of our eyes is much more complicated than that, but we're not going to go there today. Oftentimes in landscape or nature photography, we want everything in the image to be in focus, which means we want to maximize the depth of field. Now, there are other factors that also contribute to getting sharp images, which I discussed in a previous Tidbit Tuesday, which was episode 12. So be sure to listen to that if you need some extra tips. Maximizing the depth of field means making the near limit and the far limit as far apart as possible. One way to do this is to focus at the hyperfocal distance, which is the distance between your camera and a point in your scene at which everything from half that distance out to infinity 
will be acceptably sharp. The hyperfocal distance is calculated based on the aperture and focal length you're using, as well as your camera's sensor. And I go into more details about the hyperfocal distance in my Hyperfocal Distance Made Easy ebook, which you can download for free off of the Outdoor Photography School website. So when you focus at the hyperfocal distance, the far limit of the depth of field is infinity. And the near limit is at the hyperfocal distance divided by two. And again, those near and far limits define your depth of field. So let's consider a quick example. If you determined using a hyperfocal distance table or an app like Photopills that the hyperfocal distance is at 20 feet, then everything from about 10 feet out to infinity will be acceptably sharp when you focus at the hyperfocal distance. Okay, and with that understanding of depth of field, now let's listen to our question from Joe. Hi, Brenda. This is Joe from North Wildwood, New Jersey. First of all, I want to thank you for your instructional videos on using photo pills. It has really helped my photography and knowing where the sun, the moon, and the Milky Way are going to be. I'm going to double down and ask you to give a tutorial on placing the moon behind a subject in the foreground while keeping the moon in focus and clear, but also keeping the subject in the foreground, lighthouse, tree, whatever, in focus and lit. Thank you so much for everything you do. And I look forward to continuing with watching your teaching on outdoor photography. Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for this question, which I think is one many photographers have when they start photographing the moon. And I'm so glad that the Photo Pills Friday videos have been helpful. So to photograph the moon with a foreground in focus presents a couple of challenges, not the least of which is getting a big enough depth of field so that both the foreground and the moon are in focus if you want to do this in a single frame. You could take multiple images and combine them later in post-processing, but for our purposes here, we'll assume that we want to do this in a single frame. Joe asked about how to include a lit foreground with the moon. For example, if you were photographing during golden hour. So with this information, we know that there's enough light in the scene where we can likely stop down the aperture to around f8 or f11. And since depth of field increases with smaller apertures, this already sets us up for success by starting off with a decent depth of field to work with. Next, let's talk about focal length, which not only affects the depth of field, but also affects how big the moon will appear in the frame. How big the moon is relative to your subject or your foreground is also determined by how far away you are from your subject. And I explain this further in, in much more detail in Photopills Friday, episode eight of season one, and I'll link to that in the show notes. If you use a wide angle lens, say like a 15 to 35 millimeter, the moon will appear small in the frame. However, the advantage is that the wider focal lengths result in deeper depths of field and you can include more of the environment. And if you focus at the hyperfocal distance, then everything from half that distance to the moon will be acceptably sharp. But let's say you want the moon to be a little bit bigger and still include a decent amount of the landscape. Then you should use focal lengths in the 35 to 200 millimeter range. And I'm going to assume that Joe wants to use this medium telephoto focal length, say in the 70 to 200 range, 
which would allow him to include some foreground elements with a larger moon. So you have a, a few options depending on the situation. If the subject in the foreground is farther away than the hyperfocal distance, then you can just focus on the subject and the moon will also appear acceptably sharp if you're using the same aperture and focal length that you use to determine the hyperfocal distance. If the subject is closer to you than the hyperfocal distance, then you have three options. One, you could recompose the image and just use a different foreground object that is beyond the hyperfocal distance. Or two, if you can determine where the near limit of the depth of field is based on your settings and your foreground element falls somewhere between the near limit and the hyperfocal distance, then you can focus at the hyperfocal distance. But let's say you have scenario number three, which is where neither of these are options and you can't focus at the hyperfocal distance for some reason, perhaps it's too far away to make it practical, then you can just use a deep depth of field by stopping your aperture down to say F16, if that's feasible with the light you have, you may have to increase your, your ISO. And then you can just focus on the subject. And you may be thinking, well, but won't that put the moon out of focus? Well, yes, the moon will be a bit out of focus, but it will be slightly sharp. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Thank you, Miracle Max from The Princess Bride. So if you find that the moon is too out of focus for your liking in this situation, you can use focus stacking to get both the foreground and the moon as sharp as possible. All right, thanks so much for sharing a part of your day with me chatting about photography. And as always, I appreciate you and I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at outdoorphotographypodcast.com slash 46 to get the links to the Out of Chicago live conference and also to Chrissy Donaghy's Let's Get Organized in Lightroom course. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a rating and review or buy me a coffee as a thank you. Both of these go a long way to support the work I'm doing and I really appreciate it. Next week on the show, we'll be chatting with Arctic specialist and photographer Taylor Stone and independent filmmaker Ashley Payne about using photography and videography to tell untold stories and about their forthcoming project on Greenland's hunting cultures in the face of globalization and climate change. If you've wanted to find ways to use your photography to create change or to raise awareness about issues you care about, I think you'll be really inspired by this conversation. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on this or any of our upcoming episodes. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care. <laughs>